Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hope y'all enjoyed that very smooth introduction. <laughs> Welcome back to Patriots Daily. As always, I'm your host, Taylor Kyles. Show is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. More from them later. We got a mailbag show today. You all asked some real good questions, so I enlisted some help to answer all of them. We got my buddies Brian Hines and Mike Cadlick, members of the CLNS yep. family. Guys, how we doing? Let's start with you, B. Doing good. Busy day yesterday. Been nice and peaceful so far today. So a good time to answer some questions. I'm sure news will break at some point here. You can never have a complete off day, but uh, doing well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, today today's felt weird so far. It's like yesterday, every time I you know shut the laptop and put my put my typing fingers away, something else happened. So it's been eerily quiet today. Like you said, Brian, we're probably going to get some something crazy down the stretch in this show but no thanks for uh thanks for having me let's answer some questions of course i want to pick up some stuff from all these so bad but i'm really scared that as soon as i close the door something's gonna happen i gotta <laughs> run back all right for now we got questions let's see what we got first so what are your impressions of the patriots after the belichick era are things getting accomplished what do we think so far brian you're up first yeah we were just kind of you know, talking about this before we started, I like the direction of the front office a lot. I think you look at Elliot Wolf, who the last few weeks, he looks like the puppet master, right? And then we kind of got confirmation yesterday from Rappaport that he's basically the de facto GM here, whether he gets the title or not. We'll see. Probably not just because Crafts have never named a, a GM. But this isn't someone who is just, you know, he obviously has a successful father, but he isn't just one of those people, right? He's got a very long resume, a complete resume. He's worked his way up as a scout with the Green Bay Packers, handling numerous roles. He went to Cleveland as an assistant GM. He's taken general manager offers other way, other places. So he's got the resume to be an NFL general manager. You see people, you know, on Twitter around the league saying like he deserves a shot. They're happy he's finally getting a shot. So this is a guy who deserves to be a general manager. I like the Alonzo Highsmith uh, hiring a lot too. I think he's going to be a really good voice in, in that personnel department. And then I, I like, I really like Cam Williams. I like Pat Stewart. I'm excited. I know it might be a hot take. I'm excited to see what Mac Rowe can kind of do maybe out of Belichick's shadow there in the draft. I think he's laid some breadcrumbs that he doesn't necessarily agree with everything they've done the last few years in the draft. So I'm excited to see how his role kind of develops. So I like the front office part of it, the coaching staff. It's, it, it's been good so far. I'm, I'm higher on the front office, so I, I think it's been a, a pretty good start there in the post-Belichick era. Mike, you had a whole piece talking about Elliot Wolf, so I want to give you a runway. What do you yeah. think he's been doing, and what do you think of uh, all the other hires he's made? So I'm the I'm trying to be the the first Elliot Wolf Bobo of the Patriots media uh, <laughs> contender here, but no, I just – Make history. Yeah, right. No, it's it really is basically everything that Brian said, right? This isn't just a guy who 
got a job because of his father being Ron Wolf, the, you know, the Hall of Fame executive. Now, does that help his case? Of course it does. But like, and Devin McCourty talked about it yesterday and on WEI saying like, that's what the league is. You know, you, you need connections, you know, people, this guy knows this guy knows this, knows this guy, you give him a chance. And obviously that's how the guy gets his start. But I mean, Ron Wolf uh, retired in 2000. Elliot Wolf started scouting in 2004. So like, it's not like he just gave him a job on his staff. He, he you know, he worked and he, you know, did whatever he had to do to land that, you know, that job ultimately. And like, I mean, those Packers teams in the the early to mid 2000s kind of kicked some ass. And yeah, they only won one Super Bowl, but they still won a damn Super Bowl. Like they found talent. Um, he was, you know, part partially in scouting, partially in the pro personnel department in Green Bay. They, they signed guys like Bakhtiari and, you know, obviously Rogers and Jordy Nelson to like multiple contracts. And so he's involved in that stuff too, in the talent evaluation and understanding that stuff. And then Obviously, you know, again, this is sort of just diving a little, not necessarily deeper, but explaining more of like what Brian just said. Like, then he goes to Cleveland, and one of their draft classes involves Baker Mayfield, Nick Chubb, Austin Corbett, and uh, Denzel Ward at the number four overall pick. So, like, that's a that's a haul, and those are really, aside from Baker, the building blocks of that Browns team. Um, and so he's also never been, and this is, a you know, something I wrote too, it's like he's never been fired from a front office firing before he left on his own accord in green bay and in cleveland so like let's just you know settle down a little bit and give this guy a chance to run the show and um as far as the coaching staffs go like i'm also okay with um you know van pelt and mcadoo and uh tc mccartney i know we'll probably get into all those guys a little bit later on but like you know is it the sexy hiring of zach robinson no it's not but at the same time these guys are you know Again, they're they're friends of Wolf a little bit, and they're you know connected with the Browns and the Packers. But like, ultimately, because of what I just said about those teams, I think that's okay. So mm -hmm. let's just kind of you know, it's tough to give it a real answer right now. But you got to at least see how it plays out and give it a chance to go because this is new for everyone. So um, it's it, they're on a they're on a good direction. Like I'm not going to just sit here and you know bash them for no reason. Yeah, I think you guys killed it with the L.A. Wolf defense. I think you're right. Like, we're not going to know until we know, of course. Right. That's the case with a lot of these hirings. But at the same time, the guy's more than qualified. Like, I think Patriots fans, it's kind of odd in a in an era where, you know, so many things are changing that you have someone with the history of success who's finally in a bigger role. And it seemed like people aren't excited. I think there's definitely more reason to be on the more positive side than the negative side. But, you know, coming from me. Take that out, you will. Um, Alonzo <laughs> Highsmith, I think, is honestly maybe one of the best hires they've made so far. He's yeah. been in the Cleveland front office. He was in the Packers front office. And those were both with Elliott Wolf. They really came up and rose through the ranks together. Mm -hmm. Then you talk about Seattle, one of the best front offices in the league. They've done a great job kind of bringing themselves back to relevancy after they were kind of fell off um, towards the end of Russell Wilson's time there. And then in Miami, like obviously – have done a fantastic job with recruiting, being in the top of the uh, classes that they've been able to get um, for the transfer portal. Uh, so they've done a really good job. I've heard a lot of good things about him. I know, you know, everybody's well-respected in the league, right? But um, he really does seem like one of those guys. And when you look at his track record, you understand why he was such a good hire. They brought back uh, Bobby Brown, who I've heard is someone that they really do like in the building as well. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's one of those more where it's kind of like on and off field stuff where he handles administration and some of the like football operations, stuff like right. that. So that's one you're not really going to know personally whether he did yeah. a good or bad job, but it's probably just easier on them and uh, behind the scenes. Alex Van Pelt, 
Another one where the more I read about him, the more excited I am about this hiring. I went back to his introductory press conference for the Browns and they actually asked him, like, are you going to call plays? Do you want to? And he said, I could easily call plays, but then basically said, like, this is Kevin's team and I'm going to let him run it how he wants to. And we know that he's been the play caller there. Um, But the fact that he had that kind of confidence, even though he doesn't have the history of doing it, it's like, all right, so at least, you know, there's some level of, you know, there's not uh, trepidation on his part. It's like, no, he wants to get in and have the opportunity. We'll see how it works out. I'm not saying if he's going to be good or bad, but I thought that was pretty interesting. TC McCartney seems like he's basically just going to be trained under Van Pelt to be the quarterback's mm-hmm. coach, where I know uh, somebody brought up yesterday, I think it was Alex, uh, made a great point that it could potentially be them kind of grooming a succession plan for whenever Van Pelt ultimately decides to leave. Because McCartney, while he doesn't have, he only had one year coaching quarterbacks. It was 2019 with Joe Flacco was a starter for the Broncos and, you know, obviously had success with the Browns. But when he was in Cleveland, they had quarterbacks coaches. And with the amount of uh, involvement Van Pelt has in that room, even when he was OC and not quarterbacks coach, he said, you know, I want to be a voice. I I want to be a figure because like he tells you what your footwork's going to be, which isn't always common in the NFL. Sometimes it's just what you're comfortable with and you try to tie it into the scheme. But he has a lot of control over what he likes, how he wants receivers to run their routes. He was a receivers coach for the Packers as well as quarterbacks. So I really think that McCartney, who we know is a good developer, David Njoku had two of his best seasons under him, seeing how that'll translate to the quarterback room. And then just kind of quickly go, Scott Peters, I love too. Can I just bounce in on the quarterback thing? And I hate trying to do this, and I rarely do it and connect it to my time playing football. But I love this. I love No, but so that whole like connecting the footwork to the way the, the scheme works is like a game changer. I remember when I was in college and we played, we, from my like sophomore year going to my junior, we brought in this new essentially offensive coach who um, had worked in the the system in the past, but he didn't work with us. And he, he taught us how, like when your, your third step is here, this is your read. And once you get to the next step, this one's here. And it's it married and matched up to the, the, to the route tree. And like, we, you know, what, where we want to go and where the read is and why, to, and it changes on the defense too. And it, it changed everything. And it changed how I looked at, reading coverage and knowing where the receivers were going to be and when I should actually throw the ball. And like you said, some teams and organizations don't even do that. And again, the fact that that's a Van Pelt thing, like that makes me excited and, you know, tying that to just like, again, my experience, it's like, Oh, that shit really works. That shit really helps you understand what the hell is going on on the field. So uh, I I can vouch for that to say the least. That was really cool. I got goosebumps. I love hearing Mike's little war stories. But no, yeah, I mean, we talked we talk about like Mac Jones and all the struggles he's had. Like if he's, and we're going to get more into that later, but if he gets another chance, you'd like a guy who has experience actually doing it. Like he, I know Van Pelt downplays his playing days, but he's like, yeah, I also understand that physically certain things right. work better and feel better. And it's a big rhythm thing for him. I'm Brian. I didn't mean to cut you off if I did. Well, I was going to say, like, footwork is big with all these guys, right? And that's – you look at the top three quarterbacks in the draft. We all like them. They all have their their strengths, but they all could probably use some footwork grooming, especially if you're going to have these guys working under center, or some, which they just rarely do at all at, at the collegiate level. So I like it. But, you know, Mike, going back to your point, you know, I know T.C. McCartney doesn't – he hasn't worked with quarterbacks a lot in the pros, but I saw, mm-hmm. like, he, he played the position. And then people are like, oh, he was only – a scout team quarterback at LSU for right. three or four years. Like that's whatever, but that I feel like that's still really valuable Oh yeah, to the staff and just to have a guy who was a former quarterback there. Definitely. Right. 100%. Yeah. know yep. that makes, yeah, that's so again, just understanding the position, understanding what it goes into it every day, even playing or not like 
freaking I was a backup quarterback at the time of college. I still understood the routes and you know that all that stuff. Like you have to know everything, and it's like it's just yeah, that's that's a. So like in the quarterback room, they're like, all right, Mike, stand in the corner. We're, we're talking <laughs> to the starter right now. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I'll wrap up my whole thing on like the uh, staff, what they've done so far. So yeah, TC McCartney and Van Pelt, I like the combination. They have history together. You know, we got to see how it works, but I think that's intriguing. Scott Peters may be like my second or third favorite hire. I love the jujitsu background and being able yeah. to tie what they're doing on the field into another sport. I always think that's really good for athletes to understand kind of the outside and how you can apply it to not just what you're doing for this skill, but also say, oh, you know, if I'm fighting somebody, it's just, you know, a lot of these things translate. That's why offensive line coaches love wrestlers. Like having that innate understanding of leverage and different things like that and cross-training helps a lot. Um, and then defensive side of the ball, Jerry Montgomery. It's the only really hire they've made. Uh, everybody else that have been retained or elevated. Uh, but I also really like him. He's a guy who had a ton of respect from that Green Bay defensive line. Um, it seemed like he was he survived uh, regime changes, which is huge. One of those things where when you see that somebody is kept, despite the fact that the organization is making changes, that's a big sign for how well they're respected. I think he was just like, oh, because finally there was a scheme change with Joe Barry and he just didn't really align. And they were like, hey, I want to give you an opportunity to go elsewhere. So I'm pretty fired up, especially for an organization. They kind of had to kick this plan into gear before they wanted to, as we know, they wanted to get Bill uh, this season and then they were going to move on to Mayo. Considering everything's building accelerated, I do really like where well, they're headed. So answering far. the second question here, like, are things getting accomplished? It kind of felt like we were in a waiting game the week after because they kind of waited a little while to figure out Bill. And then, you know, Mayo was kind of quick, but it finally feels like things are starting to come together. So, yes, I would Definitely. say that, you know, long story short, yes, things are getting accomplished. <laughs> All right. Moving on to the next question. That one took a while. What would you consider to be a successful or unsuccessful season for this new seat roster and coaching staff? Of course, this is a hard one to answer when we haven't gone through free agency. We don't mm -hmm. know what they're going to look like to the draft. But, you know, given what the roster looks like right now and you're hoping they'll add weapons, but you also maybe have an understanding that it's not going to look great. How do you guys think? Uh what do you think Robert Kraft would say? All right, I like where we're headed versus, you know, yeah, I understand the first season might be rough, but this is a little rockier than I thought. Michael, I, you first. I still think you need to improve on your four win season. Um, you need to, you know, whether it's two, three, four, and, you know, however, however many war wins you get, like you need to be better than you were at four and 13. Um, and I think ultimately that, that determined success, you know, on the scoreboard. But then um, as far as like roster and coaching staff, there needs to be, you know, all these things they're saying about collaboration and, you know, having, you know, sort of a forward facing goal and Mayo being, a, you know, a locker room guy and like a having a good culture. Like if those things remain in place and you can look at the team at the end of the season and say, well, we at least sort of like, um, you know, we're going towards what what our goals are. Long story short, like if, if you still sort of have this this quality building in place, then I think that's ultimately a success because again, you, it's hard to, again, that's right now that's February 8th because you don't know where they're going to go with quarterback. If they go free agent and they go sign Baker Mayfield or Kirk Cousins or whatever, then it's a completely different story. Cause at that point, a successful season, like you need to make the playoffs, right? You need to use mm -hmm. the third pick on Marvin Harrison. You need to use all your money up and you need to go get it where if it's Drake may Jaden Daniels, then it's okay. If you don't make the playoff, it's okay. If you, you know, win two more games than you did last year, but you know, ultimately it's just, you know, leaning on your morals as a team, if you will, and, you know, not having the dysfunction you had last season. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's so tough to say here on February 8th, right? But I think yeah. the big thing is if you have a rookie quarterback, 
measuring the success of the season is just solely like how does he look year one even if you're not winning you know 10 games and making the playoffs but is he improving is he looking comfortable and confident that's kind of measures the success if you have a drake may or a Jaden daniels in there at year three if you go another route i mean still i just think it all comes down to your players and your young players your draft class last year the year before the one you hope you hit on this year just how are those players developing are you sitting here next year I mean, we're sitting here here and saying, who are the building blocks for the future? Like, like Christian Gonzalez, Demario Douglas, anyone else? And so, <laughs> like, you hope we're, we're sitting here next year, and maybe that that list grows to five, six players. And if those young players are, you know, growing, then you assume the coaching staff is doing a good job in that route and helping those guys along. So, I think it really comes down to the players. Hopefully, you're measuring that off a, off a rookie quarterback. But if not, maybe there are some other young guys that you're kind of measuring that off of. Yeah, I think you really want just signs of growth. You know, like defense, I think your expectation is they're going to be, assuming they retain the guys that are going to be free agents who are, you know, big like Kyle Duggar and Anthony Jennings. I think you're saying, okay, we still are going to be a defensive-led team where they're going to keep us in games. But Then you say, okay, you know, if it's a veteran quarterback, then I think you expect to win those games. I think you want to be at least like sniffing the playoffs where you are at least in contention. If you miss out, you understand, all right, you know, at least we – came a long way from where we were the season before. Now, if you have a rookie, I think it's understandable where you're going to have some games where they can't close it out because they're still learning, getting used to the NFL. I think that's understandable. But I think you want to see that the offense is competitive and that they are able to score, you know, you could probably put in at least a touchdown a game, maybe even get saucy and say two or three. Like you just want to see some maybe, ability to move. Maybe them. score 30 points for the first oh, time in yeah, the right. last few years. Let's, let's not get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> but I think the point is that you just don't want to see them be as much of a dumpster fire. Like if you're saying, all right, this is a young team, but they're competitive, they're feisty. Like, you know, it's just experience that we lack. I think you're fine. Um, but yeah, if they have another Better. season, it's like four sure. wins and – just better vibes on the offense side yes. of the ball, right? For, for two years, we've been sitting there and the offense runs out on the field and we're just kind of all like, here we go again. Like, let's yeah. see how they mess this Literally, one up. Literally. Like, the... Let's just have the quarterback run on the field and we're going to be like, we're going to go score a touchdown this drive and just positive vibes. That would be a good step in the right direction. For two literally con- sit next to Brian in the box. Like, that is exactly <laughs> what we would say. Like, for two oh, consecutive God, right, seasons. For two consecutive seasons, it felt like the offense would trot out there and everybody in the press box would have like another three and out already typed into their Twitter and then just hit send all at the same time. Like that's the kind of shit we don't need anymore. And maybe Brian, a better field goal percentage. Okay. There. there. <laughs> Talk to your boy. Talk to your boy. All right. Quick word from our friends at FanDuel. We'll be back. Happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. FanDuel has so many ways for you to end the season with a W. Not only can you bet on who will win Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel also has bets. Which players will score a touchdown? How many points will be scored? And so much more. New customers join today and you get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Just visit FanDuel.com slash Boston to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash Boston. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in Massachusetts. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050. 
50-50 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, everyone's favorite question. What are the chances Max back next year? I'll go first because I've kind of been driving the bus on this. <laughs> Taylor has been the bus driver on this one, yep. I think it's high because, like, I, I <laughs> didn't want to believe it. Honestly, I've been running from this idea for a long time. And then I kind of sat down and I was like, okay. One, so many of the best young quarterbacks that we're seeing right now, even Brady, all sat their first year or the majority of their first season and had some time before they had to be trotted out onto the field. On top of that, like even if you get a Jaden Daniels or like a Drake May, maybe you want to sit them and let them learn before you just throw them out there. Beyond that, everybody talks about getting rid of Mac. What are you getting in a trade for Mac Jones? A fifth round pick? Probably more like a sixth or a seventh round pick? You're not getting anything of much value. I think financially, this is someone you invested a first round pick into. At the very least, I think you want to increase his stock so that you can, obviously they're not going to pick up his fifth year option. You can let him walk, and if he does look better, he signs a better contract somewhere else, maybe get like a third-round pick, some like good compensatory value at the very least. If he plays well for you, you can always franchise tag him because quarterbacks are making a lot of money. Franchise tag just is kind of like, a, okay, let's see what we got here. I don't think that's the worst thing in the world. And if he doesn't really meet your standards, you still have an insurance policy to back him up. I just think it makes too much sense, especially when you get someone like Alex Van Pelt, who is, you know, he fixed – I want to say fixed Andy Dalton necessarily. Andy Dalton's kind of been Andy Dalton, but he had success with Andy Dalton. He did fix Baker Mayfield. Like this is someone who has experience, like we talked about with the footwork and how he ties it into the offense. Like I think this is going to be more on the uh, Josh McDaniels type of track where it's someone who can really relate to Mac at a different level, coach him up in a way that I think works better with him. Like I just don't think the old school stuff works. I think that he needs somebody to kind of coddle him a little bit and go in this direction where Mayo's emphasizing, like, make sure that this player knows you care about them. Obviously, Mac had a head coach, wouldn't even talk to him. And then Bill O'Brien, you know, didn't have his staff, and the supporting cast wasn't very good. So it was just a bad situation all over. And I think finally giving Mac an opportunity to be in a system with, you know, a stable offensive line, a couple decent weapons, and a more uh, supportive coaching staff and surrounding, I think that's where you say, okay, what can you do? If you don't succeed, then we'll throw in Jacoby Brissett or Joe Flacco, and they'll start the rest of the season, and we just say, hey, this we really messed this guy up, and we're going to have to bite the bullet. But I just don't see how giving up on Matt completely after two years of sitting the poor kid in a corner and just being like, yeah, we're just going to throw eggs and you know all this crap at you, and you're just going to have to deal with it. Like I, I think it's crazy to just egg assume boy. that he's done without seeing it. Egg boy. Yeah, you know. Yeah, so I think – I think there's a very good chance he's back, and I think there's a decent chance that he gets a shot to become the starter again. Brian, you want to tackle it first? Uh, I think it's over. I would be <laughs> I would be very surprised if he's back, and I'm I won't rule it out because he is under contract. But I just I don't know. It's been three years, I guess. I understand it hasn't been an ideal situation, but what have you seen from him that you want to keep going forward with him on the field, and even the stuff off the field, like? 
how does Jawan Bentley, how does Jonathan Jones, how do those guys feel mm-hmm. if Mac Jones is under center to start week one next year? Like those guys on the defensive ball, just th- I doubt they would be big fans of that path after what they've seen the last two years. So, and then even going to the scheme stuff, like I get Van Pelt could help maybe fix his footwork. They're big on that. That's what he needs. But watching like Joe Flacco, he's, taking these bootlegs he's pretty mobile he's throwing the ball downfield like based off what we've seen from mac the last few years like that doesn't seem like a great fit for him even from a you know scheme perspective so i i don't know i'm just over the experiment like best of luck wherever he goes i'll be rooting for him but i'm taking my fifth sixth rounder and i'm signing a veteran and i'm drafting a rookie and i'm just kind of moving on with i'm, I'm done with that experiment so the one I guess chance I think Mac sort of has here is, and this is this has been my positive sort of spin on it, is I look at like Alex Smith in San Francisco, who was down and out, complete bust under the Mike Singletary regime. Like one touchdown, 11 picks as a rookie, didn't win a game. Next couple of seasons, same thing. Like at David Carr, after his debacle in Houston, was his backup for a while. And like all the fans in San Francisco were chanting for David Carr. That's how bad Alex Smith was. That's but... Jim Harbaugh gets the job. They completely reboot their offensive system. And instead of just sending Alex Smith to the curb, Jim Harbaugh basically said, no, I want to work with this guy. I know what he can do. I want to make him work. And so maybe that's what they think here. Maybe that's the direction they go with, you know, Van Pelt and, you know, McCartney and these guys who they really have a big, uh, they have a lot of brain power in that sort of offensive room for a quarterback to come in and teach them. And so, you know, whether they do want a clean slate in a Drake May, Jaden Daniels type of player, or they want to, you know, rehab Mac is is ultimately going to be up to them. But I, I do think there's a chance that that's the way they go and the way they think. Um, you know, like personally, what do I think? I'm kind of with Brian. I think it's just time to cut bait um, because, again, if you do draft a quarterback three and then you do sign a Jacoby Brissett and then it's like Drake May, Jacoby Brissett, Mac Jones in the same quarterback room, all kind of at different stages in their career, but also kind of fighting for the same thing. Thing. Like it just kind of, it adds like a little bit of a strange dynamic where Max, the third year or the fourth year guy now, gonna be there for what if Drake May is right on his heels? Like it's just kind of I don't know. It's awkward and going back to the locker room thing and what they what the guys like, you know, the captains and your your John Joneses and Juwan Bentleys of the world want to see. Like it just it kind of adds unnecessary awkwardness to the offensive side of the ball. So we'll see what happens. But that's kind of my my two cents on both sides of that aisle. And I get, I get both those points. And also, like, if he just – if people have kind of given up and he really has lost the locker room, that's been my caveat of, like, yeah, absolutely, move on. Yeah, sure. Like, I, if it's the same thing with Trent Brown, where, like, you'd love to have him because the value, I think, is there. And, but if, you know, if you think it's an issue, obviously cut bait. But Mayo has said he has a clean slate. Mac has been sure. putting in the work. We know he, like, added muscle so he could protect himself. Um, he was there at Gerard Mayo's press conference. So I feel like it's not the same situation where I really do think they're saying, okay, mm-hmm. let's – maybe give him a shot. And also with the other quarterbacks in the room, like one, his contract's up after the season. So I don't think it's really like the Patriots are doing something wrong by having a quarterback develop behind him, especially considering he put some bad stuff on tape. And then the veteran, I think would be more of like, we talked about a Brian Hoyer kind of presence where you kind make sure that there isn't some kind of weird tension and just someone who can recontextualize and make sure everybody's headspace is in the right place. Unlike last year where you had Mac and Bailey and they weren't helping each other. Like, I think it'd be very clear that like Mac, we're giving you a chance, but we can put either one of these guys in if you fail. 
Like at that point, I think it's pretty fair to say, all right, like he's not your future, but you're giving him a shot and seeing, all right, what do we actually have in this guy? That's all I'm saying. Again, increase that value. I, I think it's crazy to settle for like a fifth or sixth round pick when you put a first rounder into a guy. You know? But then he but, goes out there and fails again, and then you can't even trade him for anything. So I you're kind of risking. How much different is it though? How like yeah, is, it, it can't be worse than last year. It cannot be worse. Well, Tom Brady was the 199th pick, Taylor. Oh, God. All right, <laughs> All right. All right. Now, are, now we can are, move on. Are we sure it, it can't be worse than last year? Yeah, I know. We said, we said that last that, year. We sat in this same exact spot 365 days ago, saying I, the same stuff we just said. Surround the, him with. If the offensive line is still that staff. bad, though, if the offensive line is yeah. as bad as it was last year, where Mike and Wendy with Cole Strange aren't playing to start the year, and you don't have a right tackle, like if it's that bad, then yeah. But I do not. I really cannot see this regime being okay with having an offensive line that was anything close to what it was last year, especially when we know there were reports where people were like, why are we waiting on a tackle? Like what is going on? Why are we taking three defenders with our top three picks? Like we know that internally they didn't even agree with that approach. So I could it be worse. Yes. I'm sorry. Maybe that's not fair to say, but God, I hope that the direction they're going in is going to be better than having to try it out. Calvin Anderson and Vidarian Lois or starting tackles as well. So, all right, moving on. Could there be a path to acquire a top 10-ish veteran quarterback without giving up the third overall pick? Let's go first. Yeah. Sign Baker Mayfield or Kirk Cousins. Right? I mean, I, that, yeah, I mean am I reading yeah. this wrong? Like, those you are can like sign, the only. I, I don't. Yeah, are they top 10-ish? Like, Kirk Cousins, I think, is top 10-ish. Those are like the only top 10-ish guys on the market that you wouldn't have to yeah. trade a first-round pick for. So, yeah, right. I don't know yeah. who else would even be in that category, honestly, besides those yeah. two. So, yeah. the well, third pick, I one. mean, no, go ahead. Mm. No, go. What would you give say? I was just going to say, even if you have the third pick, like most teams with the top 10 quarterback, like a Josh Allen and Justin Herbert, like they're not going to give up on Trade those guys them. for the third pick either. So, even like a Matt Stafford, like I don't think LA would yeah. do that. That's the thing. Usually, when teams have good quarterbacks, they want to keep them. Unless. <laughs> It's the guy in the next question. Thoughts on possibly trading for Justin Fields, then trading back from three to regain capital and take a Joe Alt or Roma Dunze. Personally, I like the idea of trading back from three. I Even if it's like just going to five so you can maybe still get your quarterback or whatever with the Chargers, I think they need to load up on capital. Get another first. And especially if you get a first and then you get a quarterback later, having two first-round picks is exactly how the next year, if you want a Shador Sanders or a Quinn Ewers and you're kind of in the middle of the draft – that's how you have enough capital to say, all right, I want to make a big jump and get like my guy. And I think you have so many holes. If this is going to be like a Packers model where they build through the draft, it probably is in your best difference. Get like four or five top 100 picks and address all your positions of need with quality players. But with the Justin Fields thing, personally, I don't love it. You know, I'd rather just start fresh because you trade for the guy. What do you, I want to know what you guys think would be the, um, what you'd have to trade to get him, but then you pay him. Like, I just don't really well, like that idea. I think you just start. Well, was it Schefter yesterday or the day before said it could be like a late first round pick or a second round pick. Like, so in yeah, that sense, it would be 34th overall. I think like, I'm not a fan of doing it kind of same thing with Mac. Like it's been three years. If he was going to show something, you know, he's obviously very dynamic with his legs, but if he was going to show something as a passer, more than what he was, I, I feel like he would have shown it by now, and then you have to pay him. So I thought for the Patriots it might start at, like, the 68th pick if you're talking a trade in, in that range. But, yeah, I wouldn't – I'm not big on the whole Justin Fields path. I'd rather just draft a, a rookie and reset my quarterback contract in, in that route. I think 
my sort of thoughts on the whole fields thing and even the Mac thing or the Jaden Daniels, Drake may thing is like, just have a plan for who you want your franchise quarterback to be like, yes, I know competition is great, but at the same time, if you bring in fields and then also draft Jaden Daniels, like it just feels like it adds, you know, repetitiveness to room where like you're trading a quality pick in 68 for Justin Fields, just for him to get a, get beat out by Jaden Daniels. And it was sort of like a, Oh yeah, we tried it, but I don't really know what, you know, like it almost feels like a waste. It's kind of like when, um, like it, it reminds me of like Seattle trading for or signing Matt Flynn and then just starting Russell Wilson or when the bears signed Mike Glennon to that huge deal, but then they trade or take Mitch Trubisky and then Glennon's making $20 million a year on the bench. Like, it just it, have one vision, have one plan, and go for it. So if they trade for Fields and that's their guy, use three for Marvin Harrison or trade back a few and do that whole thing and get get a Dunze. So like just have one you know singular plan in place and let's roll. So if that's the case, sure. But if you're just using it as the sort of collateral to have another backup just in case quarterback, then I'm not a huge fan of it. Yeah, I agree. Also, honestly, Justin Fields is in my mind, kind of just like a bigger Jaden Daniels. They yeah. Have, like they're I, dynamic right. runners. They have processing issues. We're like, I don't think, I don't know if Jaden Daniels are as bad necessarily or is consistently like questionable. I don't sure. think he holds the ball as long either, but we talk about their strengths where also Justin Fields has a bigger arm, but they're both guys who love to hit deep outside. So like their skill sets are pretty similar. Obviously the size is a pretty big deal as well. And Justin Fields actually has experience in the league, but yeah, I don't really want to give up. Would you compare him to like, Deshaun Watson at all, who just really struggled to in the Alex Van Pelt scheme in Cleveland. So True. like how I think would... Deshaun Watson struggled because Deshaun Watson's bad. Yeah. Like the but... number of times I saw wide open receivers or like just the scheme worked perfectly and he's holding the ball or missing them or like it was it was crazy to watch. Yeah. So what but do you make I, of I... that? Uh, just a complete sidetrack for a second. Cause like Deshaun Watson was a fringe top five quarterback three years ago. Do you think it was the time away from the game? Do you think it's the scheme? Do you think yeah. it's, I think it was a time away from the time game away. Because yeah, he, okay. Like when he came back, he had clear, clear deficiencies where it's like, yeah, yeah this is just, you haven't played football in a long time and they haven't gotten better. And then he's had to deal right. with injuries on top of that. Like, I just think that, I just don't think he's very good anymore. Yeah. To be very honest with you. Yeah. It's wild. I think he's talented. I don't think he's good. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, moving on. How will Van Pelt mold his offense around May or Daniels, and what players in free agency would best fit with that offense? Mike, we kind of touched on this in our little uh, free agency video, but mm -hmm. uh, Brian, you want to take this one first? Yeah, well, this is the big question, right, with just Van Pelt is we can watch what he did in Cleveland, and we can watch even what he, you know, some of that Mike McCarthy stuff in Green Bay, but he's never had his own offense, right? So what's this going to look like when he's actually in charge here? Is he going to, you know, ditch some stuff he maybe did in Cleveland and, you know, TC McCartney's like a Shanahan guy. So are they going to add some of that stuff? So we won't really get a full sense of this offense until they hit the practice fields in the spring. And then even till that really till the summer. So 
again, we can look at what they did in Cleveland and assume that's the most recent stuff. So that's how it's going to look. But uh, until they get out there, we won't know. And maybe, you know, I think Drake May fits what he did in Cleveland very well. You know, we talked about a guy who can get out on those bootlegs, can throw the ball vertically downfield. But what if it is Jaden Daniels and maybe they want to change some stuff up so they're in more spread and he can use his legs a little bit more. So we won't really know until we see the personnel and until we're out there on the practice fields, unfortunately. Yeah, I echo all of that as far as the offense goes and what they can do. I feel like, you know, like you said, Brian, May sort of fits that scheme a bit more. But if if it is a Jaden Daniels, then, you know, you make it work and fit it around that. And so that's what these guys are here for. Like, you're obviously not going to get the quarterback. You can build in a lab every time and you have to make adjustments. So, you know, whatever they do, that's that's what they end up doing. As far as free agents fit the offense, um, Taylor, yeah, we kind of talked about it and I wrote about it a little bit too. But, I mean, I look at guys like – I mean, the two guys that I've thought of uh, on offense were Harrison Bryant as a sort of backup tight end who worked with um, both McCartney and Alex Van Pelt in Cleveland. And then, I mean, even a guy like Kareem Hunt, who they sort of are looking for a, a, a you know, a spell running back here. Like he's been with uh, Van Pelt the last couple of years in Cleveland. And, you know, he's played well the last last season when Chubb went down. Like, you know, he kind of came in off the off the street and was fine. So. Those are two guys I look at. And then, I mean, the obvious ones are like the, are they going to go for a free agent wide receiver or something like that? But that's all going to be sort of determined with the, the franchise tag and what, you know, teams like uh, Cincinnati and Tampa and India end up doing. Yeah. One guy I really want them to get is, what's his name? Um, Nick Harris. Nick Harris, the center slash fullback. Yeah, yeah. He was a really big part of their jumbo packages. He's been really fun to watch. I would that love to see the dude they had in motion on that thing you put into it on Twitter the other day. Yeah. <laughs> He's just, yeah, no, I know Van Pell really liked him. He's like, yeah, we want to get him. A, we want to uh, throw him a pass. I think they, I don't know if they tried last season, but uh, I'd really like to see him on the team. I do think Drake May, just as a pure quarterback, is the better prospect. So I yep. think that, you know, he's a pretty natural fit in that scheme. Although I will say with Jaden Daniels, with like his escapability, uh, with the run, I think both guys have running ability, but just obviously I think Jaden is the better um, athlete, much more dynamic, especially when you're talking about just running in a straight line. Although he does have, have some um, fluidity as well. Also, uh, Daniels is a guy who thrived in that quick passing game. The Browns loved the quick game. I think they ran it. I think they had like a they were top five or top 10 um, in quick pass concept dropbacks. So I think that both guys would be a pretty good fit, but I think Daniels kind of gives you an extra threat in the running game where both guys can't open up the playbook that way, but obviously it's just on a totally different level. Right. I will add, I'll add one thing on potential free agents. Like one of the big positions that I think might move up their, I don't know, positions of need is tight end here. We knew there was going to have to be some shakeup because Hunter Henry, Mike Kosicki, Farrell Brown are all free agents. But watching Cleveland and watching how much David Njoku did for that offense, like, go find your David Njoku. So, like, Harrison Bryant might be a good piece. Uh, Barth keeps Walt mentioning Art Austin Hooper, who had some success in, in Cleveland at that tight end position. I don't know if, if we want to talk, like, trade backs and Brock Bowers, if he's now on the table, if Jatavion Sanders in the second round. Yeah. I'm wondering if and I'm only trading back out of three if you're not sold on one of the quarterbacks, but maybe Atlanta wants to move up and Kyle Pitts is on the table and a oh, trade. Oh yeah. So give me give me that, Kyle Pitts all that, day. Like if you could move back if again, if you're not sold on one of the quarterbacks at three, if you move back to eight and you get Kyle Pitts and maybe a future first or second round pick and then you have your tight end, like tight ends are a position that that's really going to need to be filled with kind of like an explosive guy like David Njoku for this offense to, to really take off, I think. 
Yep, I agree. And that another guy um, we can talk about for tight end, like Dalton Schultz is probably yep. the closest to like a David Joke you'll get in terms of a guy who can line up as a Y. He can block and actually contribute, not really be a liability, but also has pretty dynamic athleticism where you can get him matched up and really take advantage of his skill set. All right, I'll just throw a couple more in here before I get you guys out of here. I'll try to find a good one. Um, let's go with this. With a deep wide receiver and offensive tackle draft, how would you prioritize those positions in rounds one and two? I say Marvin Harrison Jr. one and Guyton or Paul in round two if available. I just don't think you can afford to take a receiver that high. I just I feel like it's got to be quarterback and offensive tackle with your top two picks and get you can still get a very good receiver later on in the second round in the third or fourth. But I just I feel like MHJ is kind of a luxury pick when you have a shot offensive line and no future quarterback. I just I just feel like I put Marvin Harrison on like a completely different level in the receiver class than everybody else where I was like yeah sure Joe Alt um is sort of the 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 one one in the tackle class but it's also like how much does that gap really help you compared to the gap in receivers right and so if you're going to go wide receiver one, two, I would probably take Harrison Jr. first and then go with, you know, one of those second round guys just because, and I know both classes here are, are solid are are deep. Like the, um, like Bob Smith, seven, two, eight, six, six, five, five, five. Says. <laughs> um, but I still, I don't know. I feel like Harrison is just so can't miss compared to some of the other tackles at the top of the class that I feel like if he's there and that's the route you're going to go and you're not going to go quarterback, then you have to take him at three. Yeah, I mean, he's awesome, and he's going to be awesome in the league. But I, I'm kind of with Taylor, and I go back and forth on this a lot just because, again, they are so deep positions. But I think it's just better to kind of get your franchise left tackle, whether it's Joe Alt or Olu Fashanu, and kind of build through the trenches. You see a lot of these teams in the Final Four in the conference and conference championships and even the Super Bowl this weekend, like, they're all built through the trenches. They all have a franchise tackle, Trent Williams, Penny Sewell. Uh, you look at the Chiefs, they paid two tackles. They didn't even play great this year, but then they loaded up the interior with Tooney, Creed Humphrey. So I, I'd be kind of tempted if this is the path or you're not going quarterback to kind of take that offensive tackle first and then you can fall back because there's so many good wide receivers. I mean, you saw that class in the senior bowl, just pick up at one of those two guys because they can contribute. We see Puka Nakua, fifth rounder, Demario Douglas, sixth rounder. You can get these guys that can contribute uh, anywhere. So Marvin Harrison is going to be awesome, but I would, I'm leaning right now, like building it through the trenches, and then you can still get a really good kind of game changer at the, at the skill positions on day two. I completely agree. Yeah, I just I, there's so many Sorry, receivers, guys. man. Like you get a Roman Wilson or something, it's all right. I'll forgive I'm you eventually. <laughs> but like I, I say that, and then like you look at all the good tackles that were at the Senior Bowl that still might be there at 34, right? right? Or you could even trade up. So it it, it really is kind of give or take how you just it's what whatever your preference is or if you rate like joe alt is he like the m mhj of tackles right, right. so it it's a good problem to have i guess right so yeah. if they don't go quarterback That's why so this we'll offseason is so crucial and frankly fun to cover because they do have the number three overall pick and they're gonna get one way or another you would think a top 10 player in the class and someone generational to sort of be that building block 
Yeah. And one thing to remember for the tackle position is it is it is deep, but if you're talking about a guy who can play for you year one and start at left tackle, it's like three or four of those guys. Yeah. Yeah. And they're probably going to start flying off the board. I don't think they're really going to be around. Like I think Patrick Paul, if you get lucky, will be around a little bit later because he's got some stuff that he really has to improve. He'll probably have like a rocky start before he really kind of picks things up. But that's one thing to consider is, yes, the class is deep, but if you want a year one left tackle, you're probably going to have to take him in the first round or trade back up. Mm-hmm. Last one. This will be interesting. I don't know if you guys actually have the answer to this. I think we have an idea, though. What would it take for the Patriots to trade up from to number two or number one? I don't think they should do this unless they are madly in love with Drake May. Uh, but what's the precedent? It's like you have to give up at least like a future first and then like a second and a third or something like that. From three to one. I'm not sure. Like I, I'm trying to think. Has has there been? A, is there an example that we can sort of pull and give? Like a like I don't think there's been that short of a jump. What really, did the has there. What did the Bears go from to get Trubisky? Three to two. Three to two. They just swapped back with San Francisco, and man, I I wrote about this a couple months ago, and now I don't remember. But I mean, again, as far as like wanting to do it, you really have to just love the guy. Like yeah. you got to be, like you said, gung ho, madly in love on with one of the guys, and not like it has to be obviously the one, and you can't you can't really miss on the pick either because San Francisco got very lucky on the fact that they completely missed on that Trey Lance trade, and they are still somehow in the Super Bowl this week. And that's that's one of the examples where you load up. And you don't always have to like go off or like I I have been with the mindset and I've been saying it for so long. You have to get the quarterback. But frankly, when you have the capital you have, and this is a deep draft at all the positions where you stink, like you can get two starting tackles and two receivers or two at least like pass catchers if you really want to with like if you get a few top 100 picks and your offense looks very different. And then like I said earlier, if you get a future first rounder and you have two first round picks, that's where if this is kind of a rough season and you're like, all right, we're just a quarterback away. That's where you can move up and kind of get in that range. Also, I looked up the Bears trade for Trubisky. Yeah. The Bears traded up one spot in the first round for Trubisky. Um, they sent the fir- their first round pick, number three, their third, which is 67, their fourth, 111, as well as 20 uh, future third round pick. So you're going to get fleeced. If you're moving up for a quarterback, it doesn't <laughs> yeah. matter what you're going to get robbed because they know that right. you're desperate. And Number that's the one, position where you can ask for whatever you want. Trading up to one is going to cost you a future first-round pick, at least. Yes. Right? Like That's going to yeah. be two firsts and more. So I don't know. It's I think an underrated part of this draft is they only have, what, like seven – draft picks right so like yeah. they don't because yeah. they're not getting they any more. any comp any comp yeah. selection so you don't have a lot of room to move up the board and i think you might be looking at the uh, 34th pick or the 68th pick and maybe trading down you know 10 12 spots and trying to pick up some more mid-round capital because they don't have uh, a lot of spots to really move up if they please but uh yeah I, i'd only do that if you're if you think you need to get one of those quarterbacks, if you're like gun ho on one, I'm also delusional. And I believe Cliff Kingsbury is saving my Drake May to the Patriots dream. I think he's uh, clearing that path. So I think you might, again, we're at February 8th, but I think you might be able to sit at three and still get Drake May. So you might not even have to trade up, but we'll see. Is your, is your thought Chicago sticks at one and takes Marvin Harrison and then it's, I, well, I think it helps either way because either 
Cliff's going to make Washington like throw the bag to trade up to one and get That's, Caleb. Yeah. And then you'd assume if Chicago passes on a quarterback, they're going to stick with Justin Fields, right? And then yeah, that's Martin true. Harrison, or I think if if it goes Mar, or if it goes Caleb one, I think Jaden Daniels is just a better fit for Cliff's offense. So I'd assume they would take yeah. Jaden Daniels and then Drake May's there on three. So again, I'm delusional just because I want Drake May <laughs> in Foxborough, but I'll just beat that drum for the next two months. <laughs> I think I just I can't see a world where they don't at least try because I'm thinking like for the Chargers, that's probably the one team you could trade with where you don't have to worry about a quarterback getting taken before that, unless obviously the Falcons trade up. But it's like, hey, you still risk that because you're getting more capital and you're still getting maybe you don't get Jaden Daniels. That's when you're still in the range to get like a Joe all like we said, an Olu. Maybe you trade back again because I think Olu's probably going to go end of the top 10 if he even does go top 10 because like there's so many receivers there's probably going to be a crazy run of those guys in the middle to end and the chargers are like all right we won our legit alpha they trade up number three and they take marvin harrison jr and i Mm -hmm. think you get a good haul out of them because that's a generational player where it's close to a quarterback as you can get where you're like yeah i'm gonna rob you blind give me everything (laughs) i uh there is no end all right, that's going to do it for us. Fellas, thank you for joining me as always. Had a blast. Uh, starting with you, Brian, let the people know where they can find you and what they should be looking out for. You can follow me over on Twitter at I am Brian Hines. Read my work over at patspulpit.com. I think we're getting into some free agency talk next week, finally kind of flipping the door to that. And then, of course, Pat's Beat right here on CLNS. Make sure you tune into that. All right, uh, at Mike Cadlick on Twitter, all of the Patriots ins and outs on WEI.com. Six Rings podcast over there with Fitzy and Hart on WEI as well. And uh, yeah, follow along on Twitter for all my Patriots nonsense and uh, Squidward memes. SpongeBob memes. Yeah, exactly. Love it. All right, thank you all for joining us.